thank you so much for honoring our invitation. May the Lord bless you. And we thank everyone for making our time to come to be blessed. Put your hands together and don't stop clapping. Don't stop clapping. Do not stop clapping. Hallelujah. Good evening, everybody. Afternoon. Please be seated. Please be seated. Hallelujah. It gives me great pleasure to be here. Um, when the couple, the gentleman and the lady that were introducing me started, it reminded me of when I joined, you know, my early days in Fountain. I joined Fountain in 1995. So you can imagine I was, I think I was 22 then. So if you do the math, you know how old I am now, 50 now. So it gives an idea of how long I've been here. And I could see myself in them. And one thing I can say is this. Don't be deceived. The scriptures are true. You know, I turned 50 in December of last year. And I look back and one thing that came to, it was a time of reflection for me. You know, 50 is, is a big deal. And I said to myself, truly the word of God is real. A lot of the scriptures that were promises to me when I was 22, I'm now looking at them in the rearview mirror. I have seen those promises become flesh, become reality. And when David said, I was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. He was speaking from a place of knowledge. I mean, I'm not, I won't say I was, I'm old like David, but I'm getting older. And I can say without a shadow of doubt, the scriptures are true. I have seen those of us that chose to follow what the Bible was saying, or is saying, or says. And I've seen those who chose to go their own path. And the difference is clear. Let me... I hope my time hasn't started running. <laughs> you know, I remember, I mean, I think it was early 2000. There was a book in town then, Rich Dad and Poor Dad. It was all over the place. And there was a young man then, I mean, I was, we were in the same, you know, generation. And he said something, you know, talking about Rich Dad. And I told him, that, look, who is this guy, Robert Kiyosaki? Fantastic. Is he born again? I don't know him. So why are you asking me to follow what he's saying above what the scriptures are saying? You follow Robert Kiyosaki. I will follow the word of God. Let's compare notes in five years. In all humility, the gap between us is like day and night. The gap, honestly, if I press my brake light, you can't even see it. That's not to say you shouldn't read books on investments or books written by the unbelievers. But you're in the right place, man. Where the word of God is exalted. Hallelujah. So thank you for the, to the organizers of this program for inviting me. And um, when I was giving the topic, reducing capacity, I didn't want to show my ignorance of the English language. So I didn't tell the gentleman that sent me the invite that I didn't know what capacity meant. I went into the dictionary and I checked from dictionary to dictionary. I went into a cyclopedia. <laughs> I checked on Google. I didn't see <laughs> 
So I had to humble myself. Say, oh, guy, I beg, what's this thing? And he told me. So based on my, my conversation with him, so now you can start timing me. I hear I have 20 minutes. I have been in retail for 22 years. So how you expect me to com- compress it into 20 minutes? I don't know. So we're going to start with a short prayer. I have here what I can say for two hours. But there is what you need to hear. Everything here I consider to be important. But what you need to hear is what I will say. Amen. So Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. As we go into this side, this period, let it be one that will enrich all our lives and bring glory and honor to your name. We give you praise, O oh God, in Jesus' precious name. Twenty minutes. Let's say I started at three o'clock, right? Okay. So, from my understanding, capacity is, is a state of insufficiency. It's a state of insufficiency where funding is concerned. So, where money is concerned, it's a state of insufficiency. It is a state of not enough. It's a state of not enough. Now, I remember as a younger Christian, Pastor Bimbo always used to, you know, she would take us through certain confessions. And one of the things that she would say was that God is taking me from the land of not enough, which is the land of capacity, past the land of just enough into the land of more than enough. I remember that, com- that confession. Now, we said it many times. Now, so let's look at concentric circles. So, I mean, this circle, this is a land of not enough. I want to move outside this circle into the land of just enough and beyond that into the land of more than enough. So, you see, rather than trying to escape capacity, I, I asked for a board, but, you know, I'm more of a teacher. So rather than trying to escape capacity, you know, so they're in the circle, rather than trying to get out of that circle, fix your focus onto a destination. So let's assume this is a land of, this stage is a land of not enough. The auditorium is a land of just enough. Fix your gaze at town planning. I'm going to town planning. If your focus is on getting to town planning, getting out of this place and that place is just a byproduct of going where you are. So you must, if you want to reduce capacity, the first thing is to have a goal. Where are you going? That's the first thing. Now, before getting into retail, now the will of God for us is to live, live in the land of abundance, live, live in abundance, live in the land of more than enough. If you listen, the read book of Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 8 from verse 6, it talks about when you have eaten and you are satisfied and you have built goodly houses, and you have planted vineyards and eaten the fruit thereof. When you have eaten and your silver is multiplied and your gold is multiplied, that is where God wants us to be. That's, I'm laying the foundation. So I want you to, to remove capacity from your dictionary. It's not your portion. Are we clear? So don't even be thinking of reducing capacity. Capacity is, is the unbelievers that should be worrying about that. Your portion is prosperity, abundance. And let me assure you, I was 22 in this church. You understand? So where you are seated, I've sat there and I can tell you goodness and greatness is ahead of you. Don't be deceived. Like the Bible says, 
the will of God for you is abundance. And that's what you are going to get. Book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. Say, if you will hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord, you've got to observe and to do all that he has commanded. Say, this book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth. You meditate there in day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in so that you will be enabled to obey. Then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. I joined this church as an unemployed graduate. Are you listening? I joined Fountain of Life Church as an unemployed graduate. As we are talking, I have over 70 people in employment. Last year, I paid over $500,000 in taxes to the government. I didn't say Naira, US dollars in taxes to the government. Different arms of, that's not to say that, I'm not talking of company income tax, so in different types of taxes to state, federal. So, I know what I'm talking about. Are we clear? I did not earn a single penny as an unbeliever. Everything came as a believer. So, I know what I'm saying. Are we clear? Now, at the foundation of our prosperity as believers is obedience. That we've established. Now, when the foundation is in place, what we need to investigate is how to build. Open to, with me to Deuteronomy chapter, I mean, sorry, um, Psalm 75. I'm looking at that clock, yeah? So, I'm, I'm checking my time. Psalm Psalm 75. Psalm 75 from verse 5. I want us to read it together so you see it. Hallelujah. Did I get that? Was it 77? Yes, so from verse 6, sorry. It says, for promotion cometh not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. Did you hear that? Promotion does lifting in the kingdom. It doesn't come from the east, from the west, or the south. It didn't say it comes from the north either. You know, some people have said, eh, God in the size of the north. Mm -mm. It didn't say promotion comes from the north. Verse 7 says, but God judges. He puts down one and sets up another. So promotion doesn't come from the east, from the west, or from the south. It doesn't come from God either. Promotion God comes from God's judgment. Two things. It doesn't come from, promotion comes from God indirectly, but it's not from, I like him, I like her. God judges, and based on his judgment, he lifts up one and he puts down another. So what is God looking for when he is judging? To lift up. One is humility. First Peter verse 5, chapter 5, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hands of God and he will exalt you or lift you up in due time. Humility, you must be humble. Bible says that God resists the proud. How many of you are Yoruba here? The Yoruba translation says, He stands to fight, to resist you when you are prideful. So you must make sure that pride is never found in you. That's one. Two, faithfulness in that which is another man's. Very rarely, it, let me not say rarely, but it's not often that you will find people who just appeared and started doing business. Usually you would have served one person or the other, no matter how little. It's not everybody that is Bill Gates that didn't finish university and then went into 
Microsoft and is a multi-billionaire, most people would have worked somewhere no matter how little the time. So faithfulness in that which is another, one, another man's own, you must learn to be faithful where God has placed you. In, whether you are in paid employment or you are learning a trade somewhere or you are volunteering, you must be faithful. The Bible says that when you are faithful in that which is another man's own, that is fine in Luke 12, Luke 16, 12, God will commit your own into your hands. One, humility. Two, faithfulness in that which is another man's own. Three, faithfulness in little Faithfulness in, in little. When God begins to commit into your hands, it's not going to bring millions at a go. Usually it is in bits and pieces. Don't ever despise the days of humble beginnings. Bits and pieces. Show yourself faithful there. Then you become a candidate for more. Four is diligence. Diligence. You must be diligent in what you are doing. Whatever your hands find to do, do us unto the Lord. I remember when I was in paid employment, they had a name for me, Omo Baba Leventis, because I worked with Nigerian Bottling Company, then owned by the Leventis Company. And my fellow factory workers, you know, they, I don't know how they say it, and I say, after all, it's not my father's work. So when they are doing something and the thing is getting too tedious, they say, after all, it's not my father's work, and then they will abandon it. But I would do it, and you know, because I knew the scripture that says, Anything your hands find to do, do as unto the Lord. So as far as I was concerned, in this employment, I'm working for Jehovah. So this, and I said to myself, if God is going to mark faithfulness, Pastor Taiwo Dukoya, pastor of Fountain of Life Church, will not be more faithful in his work in this ministry than I will be at Nigerian Bottling Company. They gave me a nickname. It's my father's job, Omar Baba Leventis. Many years later, some of them are still there. So, that's the foundation. Let's understand this. Prosperity for us is giving. It's our birthright. One. Two, we access it by our obedience. That's the foundation for it. Building blocks. One, humility. Two, faithfulness in that is another man's. Three, faithfulness in little. Four, diligence. That's the foundation. Now, let's go into retail. Looking at retail as an avenue, as one of the options. Retail as one of the options to prosperity. Now, every product has a manufacturer. Yeah? And from the manufacturer to the consumer, there are several people along the value chain. You will have distributors or maybe several distributors. And then you will have a retailer. The retail is usually the point of exchange of the product for money. The last person on that, that value chain is the retailer. So I'm the one you bring your cash to to collect what the manufacturer in China or Shagamu manufactured. The last person on that value chain is the retailer. <clears throat> so retail cuts across practically every industry. In oil and gas, your petrol is the retailer. In pharmaceuticals, the neighborhood pharmacy is the retailer. Where fashion, I mean, fashion, food, everything. In some businesses, you will need a license, like the pharmaceuticals. In others, you don't need. Now, retail is serious business, and it is big business. Retail is serious business, and it is big business. In 2022, that's last year, the number one company in the world by revenue 
is a company called Walmart. It's a supermarket chain. They had a turnover of 611 billion US dollars. To put things in perspective, Nigeria's budget for this year is 21 trillion naira. If you convert it to dollars at the official exchange rate, it's less than 50 billion dollars. Walmart had a turnover of 611. That's more than 12 times. So retail is serious business. Now, the top three businesses by revenue, number one is Walmart. Number two is Saudi Aramco at 552. So Walmart exceeded it by over 60 billion US dollars. More than Nigeria's budget is in between number one and number two. Number three is Amazon. What is Amazon? Amazon is an online retail business. So of the top three businesses by revenue in the world last year, two of them were retailers. So retail is big business and it is serious business. Now by workforce, meaning by number of employees that I have, number one is Walmart. They had, as of last year, 2.3 million people. That's more than the population of some countries. So let's understand that. Now, when nations are talking about how well their economies are doing, what are the things they talk about? They talk about consumer confidence. I mean, brother Mukta, what's consumer confidence? How people are willing to spend their money year on year. And who do they go to? They go to the shops. That's where they get it. So retail is serious business and it is big business. In Nigeria, unfortunately, we do not really take this space very seriously. In Nigeria, we don't take that space very seriously because primarily most retail business are not properly structured. A lot of our retailers are in the market. Sangros, uh, Idumota, Idumagbo. That's where a lot of them are. And don't be deceived. The kind of money that those people control. I met a banker once from Zimbabwe working with one of these uh, South African banks. And he said something. He said Nigerians are the masters of doing small business, I mean big business in a small way. Whereas South Africans are the masters of doing small business in a big way. I said, what does it mean? And he gave me an example of some guy that had a business turning over close to $9 million at that time. And that nine times out of ten, when he sees the guy, he's seated like this on the back of an Okada. The guy sells alcoholic beverages. Hennessy, Moe, you know, things like that. So there's an Okada rider, he has cartons of booze, and then he's seated like this. Meanwhile, he has a turnover of almost $9 million a year. He has four shops in Lagos Island. If you see him, you won't know. There was a, a there, I'm running out of time. There was a, a business distributor for milk in Lagos at some time, M.A. Ajoke. I don't know if any of you has ever remembered one milk called Majok. Is a synonym for MK Ajoke. The money that that woman controlled. One of my mom's friends, both of them are late now, she used to sell button. Button for clothing. The amount of Lagos Island, you just, you just sit down on top of one bench. Continue. <laughs> so in Nigeria, unfortunately, we don't take retail very seriously because the people that are most often involved, they don't look for lack of a better word. They don't look sexy enough. You know, when you see them, those old men in the market, you see the market is, so you think it's not serious. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. 
Now, also, a lot of those of us that are supposed to be structured that get into it, we don't get into it properly. You find that a lot of retail businesses are started by women who, after they got married, the pressures of husband and wife working. The husband now says, oh, yeah. So she resigns from work. So what can I do? Let me go and open shop. And then she goes to Dubai. What is she going to buy? She will buy this, buy that. When you get to her shop, you will see stool that she's selling. You will see clothes that she's selling. You will see water heater that she's selling. You will see newspaper that she's selling. No focus. And then she will bring her house help from home to sit down there. No training for the personnel. When they finish selling, how much did you say yesterday? She will put it inside her bag and go. What's the future for such a business? No structure, not properly organized. Now, succeeding in retail, retail is serious business. It is not something you can do on the side. Retail is a profession, it's a career. Retail is not something that you can do on the side unless you are coming in as an investor in a retail business. So, Brother Shea wants to run a retail business and is looking for an investor. So, if you're an investor, someone else is running it, it's fine. But you can't do it on the side. It requires serious financial discipline. Retail requires serious financial discipline. Unlike people in services, when you are in retail business, cash is always coming in. What you need to understand is that for every penny that comes into your hand as a retailer, one, inside that money, there's the cost of replacing your goods. Number one. Two, there's the cost of your overheads. Three, there's the cost of growth. You have to, what you are going to reinvest into your business and then there is for profit. You need to understand that for your business to grow, that number three and four, cost of growth and profit are very important. If you have friends who are in paid employment, you cannot afford to live at their level unless from, if brother, she is in retail, retail employer, uh, paid employment and I'm in business, for me to live at his level, my three and four profit plus cost of growth must be at least four times what he is earning. So if Brother Shei is earning five million as a paid employee, a paid employee somewhere, I must be earning at least at least twenty million to live at his level. If I'm not and I'm living at his level, I will pay for it upfront. Some things you need to, un to understand before going into retail. You have to realize that you don't know enough people to make your business succeed. You know, eh, I want to open a shop. Eh, my brother, she will come and patronize. You don't know enough people to make your business succeed. That's number one. Number two, if you are going into a business, you are not going as a monopoly. And even if you are entering with first mover, it's a matter of time. Somebody is coming to join you. So you must have an edge in your business. What's, your, what's the edge? Three, don't shy away from competition. In fact, embrace it. It only makes you better. To be really successful in retail, you must understand the concept of multiplication. One times one is always equal to one. So don't sell one product from one location. Two times one is two. Five times one is five. But when you increase five and you increase two, two from one to two, five times two suddenly becomes ten. Six times three becomes 18. So if you are in retail, you have to, from day one, look at how you can grow this business from one location to several locations, selling multiple stuff. That is where real growth comes from. 
Now, as a retailer, your primary need is a store, a point where the transaction occurs. Now, that store can be online. So it's not until you have a brick and mortar store. Now, that store can be online. But as a retailer, there must be a place where the exchange for goods and funds occur. Since this is usually a very heavy investment, most people around here, they usually start by moving their store from point to point. So they've got a bag. They are carrying their wares to people's offices. Or they've got a car in their boots. They are moving up and down. It's an easy way to start. It's a cheap way to start. But you must have it at the back of your mind not to be there for long. Why? Because you can't really grow there. Why can't you grow there? One, your audience or your potential customers, they are going to devalue your goods because you are hawking it. You understand? When you carry your stuff, you're going to seek people. They are going to price it anyhow. That's one. Two, you will meet with criminals. You know who I mean? The ones I mean. Who they will pay? They will, they will, you want to sell something to entertain? I will pay you next week. Don't ever agree to that. Don't ever, as a retailer, don't ever sell on credit. The cost of recovering your, your funds, it might eat up all your profit. If the person says, hey, if you can't collect, allow me to pay 25 times. I'm not buying. Yes, thank you. Don't buy. Go. Don't allow anybody to pressure you to sell it on credit. And then no real supplier will take you seriously. You will be buying from third hand. So there's a manufacturer, there's a distributor, there's a this one. Before it gets to you, if you don't have a structure. So start small, but let that be at the back of your mind. So you need a store. Now that store, the most important thing is the location. When you finally get ready to set up your store, remember that success in retail is all about the number of eyeballs that see your product. For you to succeed at retail, people have to see what you are selling and desire it. That's the first thing. So the number of eyeballs is very important. Don't rent a shop because the building is beautiful or because the rent is cheap or because that's where your friend is. Don't do that. What makes a good location will vary from business to business. If you get the location wrong, you will struggle and you will just be praying and praying and praying. And you seem as if God is not answering. It's because you didn't do your homework in getting the location. The market is always a good place. Why? Because people that are selling stuff that you are selling, all of you are in the same area. And generally, when people know that if you want to buy these torches, for instance, there's a place in Lagos called the Dumagbo. If you get to Dumagbo, you will see all of them. So people who want to buy watches, they go to Dumagbo. Some of them come from as far as Syria alone to come and buy there. So go to the market if that's what you desire. If you don't want to go to market, go to shopping mall. If you can't afford it yet, look for established retailers and partner with them. That's what I did. The park and shops, the you know, big, big supermarkets, I went to them, look, these are my goods. Let me give them to you. Sell. And they were willing. But you see, those people, they already have their own crowd. The people that are coming to buy ice cream or buy milk, and on the way they see this torch, they stop. Are we clear? So the number of eyeballs that see your product determine the level of your success. Then the amp, my time is already up. Yeah, I saw it. The, <laughs> the ambience of your store is very important. Don't just get the store and just load it. Shah. There must be a proper layout so that when people come in, they can move freely. 
It's important. The ambience of your store is very important. Cleanliness must be at the foundation. I mean, I can't go into that, but there's something called the psychology of retail. Why do people buy the way? If you remember when we used to buy recharge card in traffic, I'm sure you have, it has happened to you before. You are in traffic and somebody is with recharge card in front of you and you carry your face as if you don't want to buy. And then you move a bit and you see another person who is not looking. You'll now be calling the person. Have you, has that happened to you? Why didn't you buy from the guy in front of you? It's called the psychology of retail. That's a story for another day. I can't go into that. But cleanliness is at the foundation of it. Make sure your store is always clean. And make sure you merchandise properly. Merchandising is another topic entirely. How you set out your goods, very important. Now, did store personnel, don't just employ somebody in the store because they are available, because they are your cousin. I have several stores, and I remember I had a store in Ikeja. I had one in Ogba. I expected one in Ikeja to be doing better than the one in Ogba. But Ikeja was selling 750000 This was many years ago, a month. The one in Ogba was selling 900000 Why? I really didn't understand. Then the girl in Ikeja, she resigned, went to school, to university. So I brought somebody else who was the abulu of the accountant of the big trade group then. And suddenly sales dropped from 750 to 300,000. Some people are not coming to God. I'm here every day. My fight, sometimes I even close at 10. But she wasn't selling. Then one day, for whatever reason, I took the girl from Ogba. I took her to Ikeja. I took the girl from Ikeja to Ogba. 750 that dropped to 300 suddenly went to 1.1 million. And then the 950 in Ogba, it dropped to 300. Ah, what's happening? Sir, people are not coming. I'm here every morning. Personnel, very important. They will decide, determine how successful your business is. Now, the trade. In any business you are, you must have an edge. You must have an edge. If you don't have one, get one. If you can't get one, get out of the business. Otherwise, you will, you will die trying to succeed. As you get customers, you will just go out the next day. So you must have an edge. So for any business to exist, it must acquire market share. To survive, you must be able to retain that market share. And to grow, you must be able to increase your market share. If you can't do that, you are not in business. In order to, re to attract and retain customers in the competitive environment, in retail, there are several fronts on which retailers compete. One is price. It's the easiest, and I won't say easy, it is often, it is the lazy man's approach to competition. I want to undercut him. So it is the easiest, I mean, it is the quickest to compete on, lowest prices you can get. I think that's a um, shop right, but really, at their prices low. That's a story for another day. But people compete on different fronts. Some, you will hear retailers tell you that if you can find it cheaper anywhere else, we'll match that price. That's one avenue of competing. Quality of product is another avenue. There are some companies, they are not interested in how cheap it is. They will, all they will tell you is that if you are buying from us, you are buying the best quality. And they will not, so you can get it 10 naira there and go and buy it there. But if you are buying from us, the next 10 years you are still using it. So quality of product. There is what you call breath. Breath. The breath of the products you have. So for instance, there is a pharmacy in, in Lagos called Alpha Pharmacy. Alpha Pharmacy doesn't pride itself in selling the cheapest goods. It won't tell you that its products are the best, highest quality. But in the retail business, they will tell you, 
if you are looking for drugs, if you have gone to Alpha and they don't have it, then you can't find it in Nigeria. Because breadth of product, they're number one. Then there is also the quality of service. Quality of service. When people come into your store, what's the experience they live with? There are some stores in America, when you go there, sometimes you want to go there and you are not buying anything just because of the way they are focused on that. Then there is product experience. If you go into an Apple store, for instance, you might not find any attendant. You just go there, you just see all their products, their experience. So you have to determine which one you want to compete on, which front. Now, for me as a retailer, I've chosen two. Quality of product, quality of service. So you have to identify for your business which business, first of all, you want to go into and then on which front you want to compete. When you identify those ones, focus on it, grow yourself there and then don't neglect the remaining. I left five, I mean I put out five there. Focus on one or two max, but don't neglect the remaining. When you do that, you will have something that separates you from the next person. Then you can be talking of growing your market share. And if there is no market share, there is no business. Let me stop there. I think I've exceeded by like five minutes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you very much. You know, like I said, I can be here for two days, but you know, let's stop there. You see, we we'll just sit down, they just put it for us. <laughs> this you can sit down. You know, um, praise God. It's, it's intimidating, it's not fair. But I had to honor you people. I didn't look at the, the people you were inviting first to talk. So I've already accepted before I send the flyer. So I couldn't decline again because these are my bones. You know, when you came to Fountain of Life Church, no, serious talk, these were the guys you were looking up to. No, I'm, I'm not joking. I'm just, I was telling um, Brashi, I said, Brashi, do you remember? The first time I wanted to do business, and in the that the new auditorium was like this. This was where we were using, so it was the first trade fair, and all of a sudden I just went and took his space, and he just came out just looking at me like ah, my space. Then I was into mapping, you know, remote sensing, and you know, Brabolaji, the day I was telling me he didn't know, it was a singles fellowship. Pastor Bimbo blesses memory. After talking passionately, and he called Brabolaji to come and talk, and he finished talking. And he said, he's been following the Jewish people. That is a book him and one of his friends they are reading on how the Jews do business. <laughs> so I looked at him. I said, wow, this is a man I must get close to. So that space, he was going, I just rushed to him. He's very humble, seriously. He's, he hugged me, he said, oh, my brother, God will do it. And then learned it was HOD bookshop. So then they used to do book of the month. So I would say, ah, this book, I'm sure it's this HOD direct. So any book you recommend, I'll go and buy it. I'm telling you, these are men 
of honor. I mean, I'm not joking. So I've already accepted before I saw their name. Rather, I would have, I would have come to listen to them now. <laughs> I'm the youngest among them. I call them my egg I hope you have not started. So me too, I'll give my own testimony before you start counting me. But don't worry. <laughs> like Brochet said, he said, we, we do it easily. We'll try. I, okay, I've started. But you give me some more time because I'm starting with a testimony. I came to this church not knowing my left from my right. I mean, as a copper. A young copper. And got a good, got a, got a, got a fairly good job. Enjoying myself. And then the company just closed up. I became homeless in Lagos. Yes, I was homeless. You know when you mean you are homeless in Lagos is that you move from one uncle house to the other. Your load are scattered everywhere. The uncle that welcome you, you sleep there. The one that doesn't like you, the following week you disappear from him and go to another uncle so that you give them space. I mean, it was tough. But like he said, there's no how you can belong here. And you listen to Pastor Taiwo Dukoya consistently and your life will not change. He kept saying one thing. Nobody owes you anything. You can make it in life. I was encouraged. And one all night I came and man, he preached. We prayed. I knew that day things must happen. From a boy without a job in Lagos, homeless. In short, then I jokingly told somebody, I said, when these people driving car, when they tell you the amount they are buying the car, you say, ah, will I ever drive a car? It was that bad. And when you are thinking of where to stay, you are thinking of outside, outside, outside Lagos, outside. Because that's the rent you can afford. But, like they say, when you find your place and you prepare yourself to take your place, it's in the shortest possible time, you'll be the best in that industry. I tell people, if you find a calling, Robology can confirm, maybe during your question and answer. If you spend one hour every day reading about retailing, in five years' time, you'll be a brand or retailing. Not just reading. Practicing what they say about retailing. Who are the best retailing company in the world? He has given you three. And you go and study them. And you say, look, I would do like these people. You'll be surprised. So I got myself into stock market. And like they say, the rest is history. From a boy without a house. I have my own house. And I don't have it far away. I have it center of Lagos. <laughs> and I did not borrow to build it. I started and I complete. I have cars. I get car. I, I don't give car. You know, I have given cars. From a boy... That was, end, I mean, first dividend payment I ever received in stock was 4500 Now, when they are paying dividend, of course, I'm receiving multiple of 
millions. So what I'm trying to say is that, like Brabology said, whatever stage you are, yeah, we've been there before. I've been in the world, say, like when I was on his profile, he worked in Coca-Cola. I never worked in any job that paid me. The highest salary I earned working was 30,000 naira. And it did not even end the year before the company went under. So it's not about how much you earn. So we've started. It's what are you doing with what you are earning? You know, I'm not a pastor like him, so I will not start by praying. You know, Prashiyi and Brabology, they are pastors. Forget about all the you know, people that pastors should have ordained pastors since we came to church. So they are pastors. It's a small thing. You know? If you see Brabology preaching, ah, hey, come to Bible study. You see, the one he gave you here is just very fair. The man they read, if they read Bible, if they chop Bible. We will read book of Proverbs. <laughs> One chapter every day. <laughs> In a month, we finish Proverbs. We go back to Proverbs. <laughs> because we want to know how to walk the space of life. <laughs> so, so, you need to learn, first and foremost, the stock market is, I have, okay, uh, okay. But I can just be going. Okay. Thank you. I thought it was not there. So I will just start. Um, The stock market is divided into, it is a place where shares of public listed companies are traded. You know them now. So just a very, very, that's the stock market. Where you have different companies. So now I'm not talking, I'm not preaching. Instead of you to always be the one giving MTN money every day, buy share of MTN. It's a probability. You can sit down in the comfort of your room and buy any shares you want to buy. So, those are the three class of people you will see in the market. Of these three class, what will I recommend for young people like you? Unfortunately, unfortunately, the Nigerian stock market is still being controlled by the older people, older generation. In their 60s or 70s, 54 very rarely you see the people in the 20s, 23, 30s. And most of these people that are in the 60s and their 70s that are in the stock market have been there when they were in 22, 23. So this generation is what I call the microwave generation. They don't look towards building. They always look at, can I make money now and cash out? You cannot sustain words like that. Like Brother Aji said, if he tells you his story, how much he has to go to the Dumata market, how he started his business. It wasn't rosy like that. But consistently, he was able to build wealth. I have a baba that died like three years, maybe four, five years ago. And before he died, at my demise, he wrote it to give my children 25 million naira. That's the one for my barrier. This other of my daughter is suffering. Give her 50 million. Look, he did not earn, he did not steal, but he was just buying. You see, I started buying stocks when I was 18. When I met a, a white man, I was working in John Hood. I'm working in Leventis. Go on, I think brother, you can link up to that. If you, if you have parents that were buying, they will tell you they were buying it when they were working as civil servant. One white man talked them about shares. 
And they grow to old age. From shares, they will buy diversified to real estate. But she will tell you more about that. That's what a lot of them do. Because at a time like this, you cannot have, as a young man, you cannot have 20 million, 30 million, 40 million to buy real estate immediately. Unless you want to do yahoo yahoo and there's no yahoo yahoo people here. So, you, some of you are working. Your salary comes. Don't just look at that edifice, First Bank, GTCO, Standard Chartered. I mean, eh, all this big MTN, Airtel. Come on, try to be part owners of those companies. Don't just be the one that is giving them money. I said somebody put so something on social media. He put Netflix. He gave two pictures. One of them is using popcorn and is watching Netflix. The other one is sitting beside and using calculator and is calculating the dividend we get from Netflix. But you, you are busy there putting your money. Then somebody else is cashing in. So, there are different type of, um, type, okay, type of stocks. That what we call the growth stocks. Growth stocks are stocks that are Okay, like in this era now, we have artificial intelligence. If a company that is into artificial intelligence comes, it's a growth stock. That is, it has potential to continue to grow because of the unique nature of that product. During 2000, that when this um, Yahoo, they call them the tech. Uh, what do they call them that time, Seth? Eh? Say startup, techs, but the bubble boss. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the bubble boss. But those are growth stock. They can move from one naira to 50 naira within the shortest possible time. Today, some of you see First Bank at um, 11 naira. There were times people, 2006, 2007, people bought First Bank at 45 naira. GTB went as high as 70 naira. So, they were growth stock at that time. But growth stocks are very, very volatile. Ah, they can grow you and bring you back. But that's why when you're investing in growth stock, you need to look at the company. What are they into? Can they sustain it? If there is competition. So no matter how you see growth stocks, when they go down, it's an opportunity for you to say, finally, I can begin to buy them now. Um, value stock. Value stocks are <coughs> stocks that had value over time. They are value. They are blue chips. We call them blue chips. Value stock. We have the Nestle's. They've been there since 1950 some 1960. You have Total. You have those companies. I call them the ancient good companies. They are value stock. So they are always there. They they, they, and they, they are just there. They might, if you go to the stock market, most of all the babas you see, they own your generation, even my generation, we struggle to own Nestle. Those baba bought Nestle at five naira. They kept it. Today, Nestle is about 1,600 1, naira. Those baba, they, they didn't sell one unit. They, some of them tell you that I bought 10 units. I bought, 
Then they gave bonus, one for one, one for two, one for five. One for, those Baba, some of them have up to like 20,000 units. Some of them, that Baba that I was saying died. At the time he died, he had Nestle about one million units. Dividend yielding stocks. Yes. Dividend yielding stocks. That stock that will pay you dividend consistently. Whether good, bad. Hello, hello, okay. Good, bad, ugly. First bank. No matter how bad it is, first bank will still pay you something. GTCO. Zenet Bank. UBA. Yeah? Okay. UBA. I just said okay because there was a time that they couldn't. I'm talking about dividend yielding stock that all round weather. You know why? They have built liquidity. Sometimes they will not make profits. But from what they have put aside, they will remove some and say, look, these are our shareholders. Let's give them something. They have so much liquidity. That's why a bank like a young, as you people are young now, if I recommend one bank for people to go and be buying, go and be buying assets bank. Don't care about the price. Though. Just be buying it. 100, unit, 5 units, 1,000 units. Just be buying. Those are guys that are being run through our generation, then your generation. Then they just have the CEO in their brother Bology generation that can curtail them. Say, no, don't go this way. Let's go like this. But they are the first company to make a trillion naira profits in Nigeria. Trillion. They don't buy. They are buying banks that are bigger than them. Home and away. Abroad. They, they, they have strong liquidity. So those are good stocks. Futuristic stock. The, the assets bank is a growth stock. It's a dividend yielding stock. It's a defensive stock. <laughs> it's everything. <laughs> so then defensive stocks are Nestle. Nestle is the best defensive stock in the Nigerian market. The best defensive stocks. It's always there. All weather stock. No matter what happens, the market crash, it will go with the market. But give him time. It will go back. So those are the type of firms. I'm rushing. I'm rushing. There's penny stocks. Ah, you like people like penny stock. <laughs> they, they are less than one naira. They are like uh, fifty something cobble, twenty cobble. Those stocks can just move for twenty cobble to thirty cobble or to forty cobble. You hit it, but when they want to come down from twenty from thirty, <laughs> they will come back to kubu kubu. <laughs> so, so you should be very careful. Those are good for traders. Traders do penny stock because you know why. They are always on the system. So they are looking at it. So, okay. I want to only make 5%. I'm okay. 10%. Once I bought this thing at 20 cobble, once it gets to 25 cobble, I am selling. They don't wait for it to get to... If you like, say it will go to 14 naira. They don't care. They have made their money. Zoom. They are now looking for the next penny stock that is going down. That can buy. But you must be a trader to be able to... And those stocks don't pay dividends. In terms of trading with them, 
that they don't pay good dividend. They pay one cobalt, two cobalt. Some of them say for years they will not pay you anything. So now you say, how, how do I open a stock account? It's as easy as you open a bank account. But you just need to get a stockbroker. Give you a form, you feel, you open. And you can actually start with as low an amount. You can start with 1,000 naira. Um, 1,000 naira today will buy you 1,000 units of UBA. Yeah. So you could start. Okay, thank you. Let's make out the roundup. Five minutes. Okay. I'll finish now. So, 1,000 naira can buy you 1,000 units. That's how I started. So, I'm rounding up now. I round up with my testimony. That's how I started. I told you that buying little. So, when God has called you to a place, you must succeed no matter what happens. If you are called to a place, that's when, people, when they say there's a casting down, you will say there's a lifting up because you are called. But if you are not called to that place, when there's a casting down, you are the one that is being cast down and you are running away. You know why I said that? Brother Bolaji, I remember the issue of is it germophobia or what? Yeah. He lost everything. And I met him and I said, Brother Bolaji, how are you doing? He said, God is in control. Because he was called to that business. He built back everything. He lost millions. I'm not talking about millions. His shop was looted. All his shops in high brow. Think the one in the shopping mall, shop right. But some people that were in that business with him, they never came back again after that one. But he still. So, so my story was in 2007 when everybody was running away from the stock market. GTB was crashing. First bank was crashing. I just said, wow. Where transfer has come. Because I, I had knowledge. So I started buying that time. If I have one million units, one million naira, I could buy 500,000 units of UBA. Because people were just pouring them. So I started buying, amassing. Zenith Bank was five naira, four naira. I was just, when I make money here, I take it there. So I was building it to a point where I said what I will be making from them will be enough to sustain me and my family. And I'll pass it to my generation. And of course, I had a mentor in Pastor Taiwo. At that time, when you are where God called you, Pastor Taiwo just met me. He said, young man, I like you. I will help you grow. I have stocks, but I don't even know where they are. Can you help me? So, I started helping me. And he said, ah, you're a young man. At that time, I didn't have a car. So, when I'm going, I'll go, I'll go to Lagos Marina. I will walk from the beginning of Marina to the end of Marina. Sometime, I'll go and collect 500000 I'll put it inside the bus. I'm inside the bus. I hold one bag. There's one bag they call, uh, is that Jenny Jehovah bag? I don't know about that. I was, the man I said, you know what, I'll be giving you a particular amount every month, Pastor Taiwo. 
so that you can be using it to do transportation as you go about. So when he gives me that money, you know what I do? I will now invest those money in shares. I was growing. I grew to a point that I had, if I'm saying, I have UBA, I'm not talking I have UBA 1 million unit. I'm talking I have UBA 10 million unit. If you tell me to buy it now, I can't buy it. So what happened? I kept saying I wanted to buy a house. So that's where mentorship comes in. So when this, I bought these stocks, they were, I mean, I had millions of those units. And I said, I want to buy a house. And my uncle said, Mukta, you have been saying you want to buy a house. I said, yes. He said, this is the time. The market is going up. Sir, I'm going to buy your property now. Don't make the mistake I made. That was the word he used. So I saw. And I went to buy a house. I came to Anthony. The house had been there. They said 70 million. They has gone to 50 something million. They were just talking. I was just looking at them. So when the guy finished talking, I said, the person that offered you 70 million, did he come back? He said, no. The one that offered you 50 million, did he come back? He said, no. He said, but somebody offered him 48 million. The person still come. He said, he's come. I said, has he come? He said, no. I said, I have cash. I said, I have liquidity. That's what I told him. I said, and I'm not going to give you a check so that when you are going to the bank, you are thinking, is the money there or the money is not there? I'm going to give you a banker's confirmation. That is, is the bank that is going to pay you. And the guy said, eh, so how much? I said, ah, 45 million. He said, ah. I said, take it or leave it. I didn't even leave there before they called the ogre. The ogre said, let him take it, let him take it. So, I had, I bought the house. Then when he was trying to pay, I said, you know what, I'm going to give you 20 million first, so because there's somebody inside the house. So when the person is gone, I will pay you the balance. They were excited because they needed money. But what I'm coming from is the stock market is where you can consistently build your wealth progressively without so much. But don't be a speculator. Just start to be a shareholder. By the time you build so much wealth, you will be a shareholder You'll be a speculator. You'll be a trader. Me, now, nah, I am all of them. But I did not start from being a speculator. I started from being a shareholder. Then I move. After you build your wealth, and the stock market is not where you use your school fees. Mm-hmm. Don't use your school fees. The stock market is not where you put all your salary, your house rent. Mm-mm. No, you won't make money. The stock market is where make sure you are bringing out something that you can do without. Because it's very, very volatile. It can go up and it can go down. But once you have that ability to consistently build wealth, then you make it. And like I said, I mean, the quote there, the stock market is not for the faint-hearted. Mm-mm. If you are somebody that if you lose money, you won't sleep. Don't go there. Oh. You have high BP. I, I think it was Brother Bolaja was telling or somebody. I can't remember. At the time, they announced COVID in Nigeria. The first COVID case. I was on STV talking. At the time I left STV by Friday, my portfolio 
has gone down by 50 million. The thing was just going boom, 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 boom. And I was just looking like this. But I wasn't shaking. Rather, as it was going down at the time, and I started buying again. I said, ah, I will show you pepper. Because I have knowledge. So it's not for the faint-hearted. Some people just lose one million, two million. They have never gone back again. You didn't tell them stock. You say stocks today. No, they go there again, no. They are not called. They don't jack back for stock market. Then um, the stock market is where you take money from the impatient and give to the patient. You must be very patient. You must have the fruit of the spirit. Patient. Patient. There are some stocks that I've been buying. I'll just buy them. I told Brother Bolaji one of them one time. He called me and said, ah, how did you buy that stock? I said, Brother Bolaji, I bought it. I'm not part of it. I don't call the stock name. He knows what I'm talking. That time, the thing went as low as 12 naira. Ah! I said, hey, this one? I bought it. You know how much I sold it? I sold it at 102 naira. Within four months. Today, that stock is just balancing at 70 naira. Even if I still keep it at 17, I'll still have it. So it's for the patient. You must be patient if you want to play the stock market. Your strategy must be patient. Then secondly, the stock market is not a sprint. It's a marathon. You need stamina. Endurance. Having endure all. <laughs> then you can obtain the promise. <laughs> The stock market is not, it's, a, it's not a sprint, 100 meter. It's a marathon. Just continue to run consistently. And like I said, the stock market is where you can build wealth consistently and progressively without losing sleep. But make sure that money is not your school fees, it's not your house rent, and lastly, it's not borrowed money. Don't borrow money and buy stock. Because they say the total I have bought uh, Transcom. You went and borrowed money. And tell the person that in one month I'll give you 50%. You can see what has happened tomorrow, today. So, I think, if you want to go, we can go on and on and on and on and on. Like Brother Raji will say. But, thank you so much for having me. God bless you. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Hallelujah. All right. Um, first, I bring greetings from my first constituency, my wife and girls. I say it everywhere. I live in a girls' hostel. <laughs> Coincidentally, Brabolaji lives um, Okay, your wife lives in a boys' hostel. <laughs> All right, thank God. Um, well, thank you so much for inviting me. I do not take it for granted as well. And thank God for Pastor Daniel Taiwo Dukoya, without whom, I mean, I wouldn't be here speaking to you. Um, thank God for the life of um, our dear pastor here, Pastor Bisoye. She's doing a great work, and um, we haven't even seen anything yet. 
and thank God for Brabology too. Without Brabology, I won't be here. <laughs> so when he came, saw and tasted the goodness of the Lord, he told me about it. And then I came, 1995 as well, I saw, I tasted, and I stayed. So we all started from here, this hall. So this hall is a hall of greatness. Hallelujah. I want to put your hands together for God, unto God for that. It's a hall of greatness. We started from here, right here. So you only need to just incline your heart and allow God to have full expression through you. Praise the Lord. So thank you, everyone, lifting the hands of the set woman here. The Lord will bless you all the way. Self, Brother Balaji, Brother Mukhtar. <laughs> but we thank God. We can proudly say that for almost 30 years, some of us have been here. And um, God is doing awesome wonders in our lives. So thank you, Father, for today. Thank you for the prayers that have gone forth and the um, presentations that have gone forth. We trust that even this will be of immense benefit to every one of us in Jesus' name. Um, thank you, Mind Your Business crew, for, for enriching my vocabulary. <laughs> Just like Barabology, I hadn't heard of that <laughs> word before, sapacity. You know, when the uh, message came, I was sitting with my wife in the car, and I said, reducing capacity, oh, is there a mistake capacity? But you can't reduce capacity, you know? So coincidentally, I saw capacity on Google. Coincidentally, yes, I saw it there. It's there. It's there. But, um, yeah, it's there. I'm talking about brokenness. Yeah. I saw it there. And um, I was like, oh, really? So when I now spoke to Brother Victor, I said, oh, fantastic. Got a clear idea. So um, doing business is God's plan for man. He that would not work would not eat. So thank God for the grace to do business. I won't go into too much of that because Brother Balaji laid a fantastic foundation on that and we can all rest on it. But let me just read one scripture um, and because God's wish for us is that we prosper. So God wants us to prosper. So let's quickly open to Luke chapter 19. I'll read verse, from verse 1 to... Let me just start from 1. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me start from verse 11, Luke 19, 11. Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore he said... A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten miners, and said to them, Do what? Business till I come. Do what? Business till I come. All right? Verse 15. And so it was when, um, that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. All right? So, Rabalaji trades, Muta trades. <laughs> I trade in real estate. And then came the first saying, Master, your miner has earned 10 miners. 
And he said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you were faithful in very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came and said, the five has gained five cities as well. But one decided not to trade. And what happened to him? That which he had was taken from him. That's a state of brokenness. And that's not God's desire for us. Like Barabala just said, God invested in us. All right? And the greatest investment we can do for ourselves or the greatest favor we can do for ourselves is invest in ourselves. I think it's one of the youth church members that shared on that, yes. So we can't just remain without doing anything. God has given us a lot. I mean, God gave Jesus and expects us to go out there and multiply, draw many more into the kingdom. So God wants us to do business. God wants us to work. God wants us to eat. So it is good for us to trade. It's good for us to work. It's good for us to make money. What the Lord just does not want is to make a lord of that money because we cannot serve how many masters? Two. Praise the Lord. All right, so the real estate business, very interesting. Reducing capacity. No capacity, actually. <laughs> Amen. There are three basic needs of life. What are they? Number one, food. Good. Number two, number three. Okay, so I dare say that my business is more important than theirs. <laughs> All right, so real estate is the oldest form of investment. Is the oldest form of investment. And it will outlast any other investment. This is real estate. That is real estate. You all came from where? Your homes. What is that? Real estate. So real estate refers to land and the improvements thereon. All right? So it's an asset form with limited liquidity. It may not turn into quick cash like Brother Mukhtar has explained to us. It may not turn to quick cash like Brother Balaji sales. All right? It may have limited liquidity. All right? But like other types of investment, it requires a substantial amount of cash to deal in it. But that's not to say also that it cannot deal with re in real estate without a substantial amount of cash. We will get there. So that's real estate, land and everything on it. So what is real estate investment? So real estate investment involves the purchasing a property with the intention of also making profit, either by selling it or renting it out. So the investment usually also involves the ownership and management of property as well as rental or sale. And it depends on whether you choose to buy to sell or to buy to rent. We'll start with those ones. All right. And it can be done on any scale. All right. From owning to leasing. All right. For profit. All right. So in investing in real estate, it's a very good idea. Why? Because it offers a unique combination of safety, steady cash flow. Safety, steady cash flow, and strong odds of capital gains. Real estate never remains the same. It never remains the same price. It can only grow better in price. So, with real estate, you mean earn less initially than investing in stock or trading in Brother Village's business. 
but you can never lose everything in real estate. Why? Even if what is on it collapses, land remains. And that's why in insurance valuation, you don't value the land. You value the hereditament. What's on it? You value defense. You can insure your offense if it collapses. You value the building. You value the chattels in it. But land is excluded. So in real estate, you cannot lose totally. Praise the Lord. So a well-planned and executed real estate investment can generate an ongoing passive income and it can prove to be a good long-term investment if the property value increases exponentially over time. Now let's look at types of real estate. Types of real estate, the first type is vacant land. So vacant land can be speculative. You can speculate on vacant land. There was a time in church, pastor admonished everyone, just go out and do what? Buy land. <laughs> you can't buy land at a price today and sell it for the same price tomorrow. Even if you go into my village and buy, just give it time. Land can only appreciate over time. Why? Because someday, development will come and meet the land. So land can be used for farms, for ranches, for residential, or for commercial properties. The second type of real estate you can invest in is residential. Residential is the most popular of all, resident, of all real estate types. Why? Every single person living on earth wants a roof over his head. So any day, any time, residential real estate properties will sell. I mean, look at the impact of COVID now on real estate. A lot of offices are vacant. But who is not in his or her home? We're all there. In actual fact, a lot of people have brought work home. So there will be a continuous demand for residential real estate investment. So it consists of single dwellings, multi-family houses, vacation homes, duplexes, condominiums, and a lot more. Right, and then we have commercial properties. Now, commercial properties includes office buildings, markets, shopping malls, gas stations, and so many other types of commercial interests. Now, commercial is more complex than residential. Why? Because some business concerns come to you, you have built an edifice, and they're like, it's not suitable for their business. And so, you keep waiting for whose business it will suit. But residential, people can start low and upgrade their accommodation. So from room self-contained to one-bedroom flat, from one-bedroom flat to two bedrooms, from two bedrooms to three bedrooms, from three bedrooms to duplex. And before you know it, the guy is in his own detached house with a large compound. 
So, that's types of real estate. Now, let's go into types of real estate investment. Now, types of real estate investment, we have two. The first is direct real estate investment. Now, this is a commitment of capital into the purchase of an existing structure, which could be for sale or for lease. And this encourages the investor to be in command and operation of the asset. Direct real estate investment. You buy an existing structure or you buy land and build a structure on it and you own it and you are in control. So you can decide to rent it, you can decide to lease it, but don't forget the huge sum that will be needed to execute this project. In Nigeria, there is no proper mortgage structure. So 90%, or let me say, maybe more than 50%, how be it, I'm sure it's close to like 70% of the houses, I'm sure it's more than 70%, we'll prove it together now, of the houses you see standing are 100% owned by the people who have them. How many of our fathers have not finished paying whatever loan they took on their properties for, in your own houses? So your father owns your house 100%. True or false? Yeah. No, it's okay if there's a loan on it. What I'm saying is, abroad, someone said one day, ah, come on, have you bought that property? I said, no, oh, what's wrong with you? When did I get to UK? I bought four. I said, hey, how many of them have you finished fully paying for? What am I saying? It's a very good real estate and mortgage structure out there. You can do a deposit and buy the first one. Get a deposit by the second one. So you can actually have 10 properties on mortgage. And the rental of those properties will be paying back the loan on the investment. But in Nigeria, here brother Mukhtar now, if they say it's 45 million, you will draw 45 million. Cash. <laughs> Abroad, if they say the property is $250,000 dollars, I want to drop the money. In fact, they won't allow you. Why? Well, you want to mess up their system. They don't see such money. They don't want it. They'd rather you pay that 250,000 naira over 25 to 30 years. That's their structure. But in Nigeria, it's cash down. A few mortgage companies are trying now, I mean, they've started really to come up with a scheme whereby you can pay over 10 years. But guess what? The amount you are paying every month is killing. So there is no proper mortgage structure in Nigeria. So that brings us to the second real estate investment, which is related to Brother Mukhtar's business. That's the indirect real estate investment. So this involves investing in pooled all right, vehicles that own and manage properties such as rate. Rate is real estate investment trust. There are also some others called real estate investment groups. And then there's crowdfunding. So what happens is the individual purchases from real estate investment where others have bought and then invite you in to be part owners, like he explained. So you may not have the 100 million 
to buy a building, but you have 500,000 naira to invest in the ownership of that building and you're a part owner of a building that has been built by somebody else that has been listed for trading. Like he said, you keep buying a recharge card, somebody else is earning part of that money you're paying. So looking what? So investing your money into property can provide a range of benefits such as positive cash flow which can provide greater financial stability and capital gains. Financial stability for now and capital gains because the property will appreciate over time. You see like a derelict building, shaky, and you get to the building and you ask how much and they tell you 50 million and you're like, excuse me, but guess what? The building is sitting on a land. If you go around the Lupeju now where we are, average cost per square meter for a land in Lupeju is between 250 and 300,000 naira per square meter. That means one square meter is 250,000 naira. What is a square meter? <laughs> I didn't say. <laughs> Banana Island, a square meter is between 900,000 naira and 1.4 million naira. So a thousand square meter land is about 1.4 billion. This facility, I think, is sitting on slightly over a thousand square meters. The church site is sitting on about 8,000 square meters. So 8,000 square meters, you can imagine the worth of the place of our worship. In Ikeja Jiari, a thousand square meters will sell for between 400 million and 650 million, depending on where it's situated. So what am I trying to say? Even when you're trying to invest, location is the most intrinsic factor you consider before you invest in real estate. It does not mean you cannot invest in others. Just like Brahma Mukhtar said, that you look at the, what you're trading in, so we need knowledge before we trade. It still doesn't mean that you cannot buy the small, small ones that are in remote areas. They will grow. So it depends on your um, investment perspective. You want to do short term or you want to do long term. Now, because the population continues to grow and living tents, trends suggest an increasing demand for rental homes, investing in buy-to-let market appears to be a worthwhile investment. But it's not easy. Strategies to real estate investment. Now let's look at some simple ways to invest. Buy to rent. You're able to buy, you're able to build, and then you give it out. Now that's a huge capital outlay. Now let's look at lease to rent. Now lease to rent, some people see um, derelict buildings that have potentials. So what they do is they approach the owner and negotiate a reduced sum for the payment. Let's say ordinarily the building should cost one million naira. And the owner does not have money to fix it. So they go to the owner and they take a lease of maybe 15 years and pay an upfront premium to the owner. And then they're able to raise funds to 
renovate the building. The longer your lease term, the more flexibility you have in using the building. Then you can turn it around. And leasehold investment enables you to bring in other occupiers. So when you lease, you're a lessee. But then you can sublet the lease, all right, and then you become a sublessor. So I take over the building, I modify it to what will suit my business, then I bring in other tenants. Now, of course, you'd have done your financial outlay and you must make profit. The only rule there is that you cannot give more than what you have been given. You must give at least one day less so that you can return it to the owner if the owner refuses to renew your lease. So you get the property at a reduced rate. So you enjoy profit rent. Then you invest money in it and then bring in other people and charge today's rent. And you make money. So you can come in also at that level. That is buy to lease. A leasehold investment starts from three years. And it can go on and on. You can do 50 years of uh, lease, lease. You can do 40, you can do 15, you can do 20, you can do 25. So it's a good way to also enter the market. So you have buy to rent, you have lease to rent. Then you have pooled investment fund. In pooled investment fund, Is a combined fund of multiple investors which when added together create greater purchasing power through simple economy of scale. Now we're going to look at a few types of pooled investment. The first one is mutual funds. Now this is a financial vehicle that pulls assets from shareholders to invest in securities like stocks. Now, this fund can then be taken out People come together, shareholders, they put money together. They cannot take the money out and buy real estate. And you are a shareholder. Whatever gains they get from the real estate investment, they share across board. Just like Brother Mukhtar explained. Another one is real estate investment trust. Also works like the mutual fund. A real estate investment trust is created when a corporation uses investors' money to purchase and operate income properties. These are like malls, large office buildings, and they're traded on the stock exchange like any other stock. But the Mukhtar can also help you trade in that. They have the online real estate investment platforms. Also works the same way. You want to join others in investing in a bigger commercial or residential deal. You can do that as well. They have the pooled investment fund forming partnership to invest in real estate with little money. You're welcome, Pastor Bisei. So you want to invest in the property, but the price tag is out of range for you. Then you can do equity partnership. Now, an equity partner can be an individual, and it can also be several individuals. Okay, so I go to price this property, and it's, the land is 40 million, and I don't have 40 million. 
But I have friends who can partner with me. So I call my friends, come, there's this opportunity here and have done my homework, the place would sell. So you present your proposal. They look at it together and they're like, oh, fantastic. Okay, so what do we do? Let us pull funds together. So four, five, six of you can buy the land and build on it. Whatever you build on it depends on what you want. You can build, six of you can build block of six flats, depending on how much you have. Six of you can build six terrace houses, depending on what you have. Six of you can even build block of four flats. The important thing is, at the end of the day, the proceeds from that investment will be shared if you pull funds equally, equally. If you pull funds at certain percentages, you share those percentages. At the end of the day, when you decide to probably sell off that investment, you also share the process of that sale according to what you put into the investment. I have a number of clients that will manage such properties for. You can enter at that level as well. So you can build, buy, build, rent. You can lease, renovate, rent. You can do mutual funds, real estate investment trust or groups. You can do online um, retail platform. You can also do partnership to invest. Let me tell you one unconventional way that people make money in real estate. How do they do this? They sell information. Have you seen the gate man in your area making money from real estate? Tell me. You haven't seen? Ah, pay attention. Have you seen the bread seller in your neighborhood making money from real estate? No. <laughs> you need information. So someone is moving out of an apartment in your neighborhood and you see it, don't just keep quiet. Thank you. Don't just keep quiet. What do you have? Information. If you want to make money, let me tell you what you do. Go to a real estate company because you know the owner of that property. Go to a real estate company. Tell them about that property. It's not yours, so you don't have any business there, but you know the owner. And the real estate company will come to meet the owner. And then he's able to bring someone to rent the property. Guess what? You're entitled to 50% of the agency fee. What did you sell? Information. So you see someone moving out of an apartment in your neighborhood. I just, hey, I want to move out to me. Okay, now. Better park. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm telling you. That's what we do as agents. So you can do the same thing. As an estate surveyor, I see someone moving out of a property and I don't even have any business with any property in that area. I will stop. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> What's happening there? Somebody's moving out. <laughs> do you know the owner of the property? I'll just engage whoever I see there and I look for the owner. And the next thing by God's grace is I'm bringing a tenant to look at the property. You two can do the same. You don't have to be a real estate agent. What are you trying to do? Make money. And what are you making money? It may be unconventional, but guess what? You're doing genuine business. Let me tell you another one. You have information that this piece of land is available in your neighborhood and it's been there for years. And you make inquiry from the family. Why is this property still here? And they're like, we don't have money to develop it. If you have an uncle who has money, 
go to him. Uncle, there's this land here. If you have excess liquidity, you can come and invest there. Guess what? In joint venture development, there's what is called facilitator's fee. Yes, maybe your uncle, but if you have a good advisor, he will get that facilitator's fee for you. What have you done? You've brought owner of land together with an investor on the land. You're entitled to a fee. It is not for free. You did not put in one cup of oil. You put in energy. So you can actually broker a development deal without having money. It's sounding strange, right? But yeah, you hear of people being in control of huge estates. You hear lawyers, I mean, um, representing families who have huge, vast lands. What do they do? They go there. You don't have money to register this land. No problems. I'll bring an investor. And they bring the investor who would invest in that land. The lawyer is not bringing in a dime, but it brings an investor. The family would gladly give the lawyer 10 plots of the land because they don't even have money to give him. And the lawyer would also make money from the investor coming to build on the land. So don't take these things for granted. Now, a few tips for us. I think we have some tips for property investment. Let me see the first one. Okay. Now, you need to understand the basics of property investment. My people perish for what? Lack of knowledge. You don't just go blindly into any investment. So you need to understand the basics. You need to have knowledge of the property market, however basic. And the property market continues to evolve. It's not stagnant. In actual fact, a lot of the prices we pay for properties are dictated by the demand in the market. In Lupeju now, the toughest competition in Lupeju is with Indians. It's with Indians. And they want to take over Lupeju. So don't just go into it. Ensure that you have your, um, your, your cash flow properly sorted out before you go into real estate investment. If you're taking a loan, there must be a defined payback period. Otherwise, you run into trouble. Although Nigeria is a blessed country, you can wake up tomorrow and one law just changes the entire dynamics and you're running helter-skelter. Maintenance is huge on real estate. What you were able to repair yesterday for 60,000 naira, you wake up the next day and everything has. And I'm always amazed when I go abroad. I haven't traveled in a while, but the price you saw in 2005, you get there in 2015, it's almost still the same. And you're wondering, excuse me, what's there happening to us in Nigeria? <laughs> what did you say? then if you're going into buy to rent lease to rent you have the challenge of finding the right clientele I tell you a number of people who use people's houses in Nigeria are terrible users 
that's very unfortunate. So you need God to help you in that aspect. You see some people, you give them names of people who want to take their property. You give them their profile. They tell you, I want to pray about it. When they say that, I'm like, oh, please pray. So if the person prays and gives me which one to accept as his tenant, when that person goofs a few years down the line, I'm like, hey, they pray for me. <laughs> and then fluctuating property prices. Like Brahmuktar said, when it crashes, don't be deterred. Don't quickly sell. For real estate, that is not the best time to sell. Just chill. Let me tell you what happened. A few years back, Obasanjo decided to sell all federal government properties. And a property that was valued for like 300 million, federal government was selling a similar property for like 150 million. Now, people who are private owners who are in the same estate, I mean, they were just like, so what do we do? And they just said to themselves, we'll wait it out. And so people were buying 150, no problems, they bought. Guess what? Today, <laughs> today, those um, private owners are still there. They're smiling to the bank and they're selling at more expensive prices. Why? Because those people who bought have now messed up the entire um, what do I call it now? Um, what GRE, for instance, it was prevalent in GRE and Ikoi, the aesthetics, the, the value of those places have been greatly messed up. So a place where you, had, where you had a property worth 300 million naira and you have a very lovely detached house on it have now been built, I mean, have now been turned into a property that has like 10 houses on it. So the the value for such houses have been greatly reduced. Praise the Lord. So when real estate goes, when it seems like it's going down, maybe because of the dictates of the economy, don't quickly sell. Just hold out, just chill. Why? Because it can only get better in value. So, thank you. I'm sure by the time we go into questions and answers, we'll be able to throw more light on real estate investment. So please, invest in real estate, invest in stocks and shares, and certainly do um, retail trading. Thank you. It's been wonderful, and um, the event is really encouraging. And I dare say that it's a step in the right direction. Uh, you're doing a great work. I wish we had um, sessions like this when we are growing up, but thank God for the toothpaste we have in the senior pastor of the church, from whom we got to learn a lot, which we are putting into practice now. Okay, I mean, I think having spent the time I spent here, the event was very well organized. The knowledge that was released from all the panelists, I think was on point. What I think is important for everybody is to identify what you have learned and work with it. Wow, what a fantastic event I just attended. It was a wonderful event. I really want to advise uh, youth to take opportunity of such events because when we're growing, we didn't have this kind of opportunity that you have to know what you are doing now. I think it was very good, uh, good and very fantastic uh, 
event? It was an amazing event. It was enlightening, it was impacting, and everything in between. Learning about retailing, learning about um, stock, and also real estate. It's, it's mind-blowing. Thank God that everything went according to plan. I just want to say thank you to the speakers, thank you to my fellow organizers, and thank you to all the people that came. We just concluded reducing capacity. I almost forgot. But yeah, it was very, very um, challenging. The speakers were on point. Reaching out to them, it wasn't so easy for them because they had a very busy schedule. Like these days, everybody's looking for money. Everybody, they find money. So, you know, having like a tech talk experience, you know, it is, it is, and then, and then having it for free, it is something that people should value. We all know that the best investment you can do is investing in yourself. And this is what we just, that's what we just did today. So bless God and Big ups to everyone that came. May God bless you, bless you, bless you. And watch out for the next um, event coming up from the stable of Mind Your Business. They're doing an awesome job and I'm looking forward to the next one. Right now we have stopped. We didn't reduce, so we removed capacity. So watch out for the next thing we're removing. God bless you.